Veronica, this is a professional operation. Oh, I just wanted to get these uh, really loud, crunchy Doritos while I still have a chance. Veronica, I don't mean to say this, but it's a little unladylike of this Doritos here. <laughs> Boy, I love the taste of snacking. I just wish there was a more dainty option for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I want to sneak a snack from my purse. These snacks are unbecoming of my station. <laughs> Okay, well, that was really the only reason that I wanted to crunch a chip on oh, air for you. How topical. Just so people would know how uh, how irreverent I am to other people's... Yeah, that's a door rattling. I don't know what to do about that. Snackins. How's it going, Veronica? Did anything notable happen today? Oh, by the way, welcome to Podcat Podcast, the premier podcast of the Podcat Podcast Network. I am one of your co-cats. My name is Sammy B, in the place to be. I'm joined, as always, by Veronica. Hello, everyone. Now that those pleasantries are out of the way with how's your day been anything of note happened well it's been really great it's so interesting that you always call me veronica and not veronica b or veronica e or veronica e b you know uh-huh. all of those things uh, my, our daughter had a, a lovely friend over for watching television and hanging out on the sunday afternoon then i'm in the kitchen all day and there and she's like mrs v <laughs> I was like, yes, which I prefer to be called Miss V or Mrs. V. I oh, do not like anything else. You're like a comic book character in that you have such like an alias sort of a name. I suppose. Uh, so anyway, she's like, I cannot keep up with your mom's last names. <laughs> and Eden was like, well, you better. She'll set you straight. <laughs> Cracked me up. How cute. And she's like, I just know your mom to have like so many names. I'm like, well. No, you just need to ask. Yeah, ask. Yeah. And I've already told you to call me Miss V. Yes. All the time. <laughs> Absolutely. So in any event, other than that, I did a little cooking today and I watched the new Star Trek Discovery. Yes. The season finale. <laughs> 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 What did you think of a season one of Star Trek Discovery? I loved it. It's probably one of the best seasons of television I have ever watched. You know, oh, go ahead. Um, I don't think that there has been a more satisfying end to a season for me than the ending of the first season of House of Cards mm. uh, with the train and yeah. everything. I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was very good. I... I I love that Star Trek really does tie things up in a bow. Mm -hmm. And I think that was very fun and I enjoy it completely. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a show that needs to leave you with like a, oh, there are lingering questions about everything. No. No. Let us have our happy ending. And they gave it to us and I was very happy with that. Absolutely. Spoilers, we should say, for season one of Star Trek (laughs) Discovery. (laughs) Maybe we should title this... um, Spoiler, like all cap is the first thing. Spoiler alert. Alert. (laughs) We're cute. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you said favorite season, because I think that this has been the most album release of Mm -hmm. the show, Star Trek, that there has ever been, ever. Yeah. It's it's not a single, it's not an EP. It's like, this is a studio album and demands to be experienced as such. I agree. It was um, it was very much like, a, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the album name, but Beyonce's album. Lemonade. Lemonade. Yeah. It was, in a sense, so much of what I experienced listening to the Lemonade album. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but when we first bought the Lemonade album, 
I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard an album like this in a long time because I will often buy a full album because I've always enjoyed listening track one to the end because there are so many really great themes and, you know, artists really put a lot into like putting you in the mood at the end of track four to go into track five or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, And you lose a lot of that when you're only listening to the singles and things like that. And so with uh, Beyonce's album Lemonade, I was just like, oh man, this is an excellent album. It's perfect. Um, And it was accompanied by a long ass movie. Yeah. So that was really good. Yeah. And and like Lemonade, where each episode is a very different flavor or outlook is pontificating on a core set of mm-hmm. themes that sort of come up again and and yes. really resonates on them in, in different ways. I think the season sort of did that and really focused on Trek themes, like stripped down to its core in a way that was just so beautiful. I think that the thing that Lemonade and Star Trek Discovery have in common is that they both agree on one fact. Buttered Pop-Tarts are the best. <laughs> you get right the heck out of here. <laughs> JK, JK. Okay, so let's legit talk about this episode yeah. of Star Trek Discovery. It was good. I really avoid spoilers on things that I really like a yes. lot. So um, I don't watch... I mean, I'm sure if you're a listener of the show, um, I do not watch fucking trailers for... Anything. Anything. Um, especially Star Wars, for yeah. sure. Um, so even in, you know, the theater or whatever, I will zone the fuck out. Cannot hear, cannot see yeah, what is happening. Yeah, she'll a thousand yard stare. And yeah. She might even be looking at the screen, but just blankly glazed over, just not watching it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, Doesn't look like anything to me. Exactly. It's the same thing with Taylor Swift move, uh, songs. songs. Yeah. I don't feel like I've ever heard a single song she's ever done. But <laughs> I just and completely yet there's such a out. thing where people try to put on Taylor Swift music around you to get a rise out of you, and they never do because you're always just like, I don't know what this yeah. is. Just my brain shuts down. <laughs> just have a blind spot towards it. Can't hear, won't hear. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I, we finished the episode and I was just like, oh man, how exciting. I'm so excited for the next episode. And you love me so much that you want that to be true for me. Yes. And you're like, yes, I want you to have that. And then you let me down nice and gentle. Uh-huh. Of, that was the last episode. It was and I, I've known finale. that for quite some time. Uh, and <laughs> never told you that or like led you to believe that. You no. never said you had to watch it. I mean, to talk about anything like that because I know how much you don't like spoilers. Yeah. You don't want that to color your experience of it. Yeah. So uh, I was fully prepared to have a uh, 22 to 24 episode arc of Star Trek Discovery. And lo and behold... CBS done me wrong yeah. and only bought 15 fucking episodes. Yeah. Fortunately, season two is well underway, but yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's happening. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm happy. I just want it to be more episodes. I agree. As long as they're good quality episodes, I should say. Yes. Okay. This so is... what did you like about... Okay. So tell me two things that you liked and one thing that you disliked about this episode of Star Trek Discovery. I love how they were so true to character for everyone for the entire time. Nothing ever betrayed it. It's like, for example, the Empress or Emperor, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I like that she gives everyone the courtesy of not having conflicted feelings, but mm-hmm. being such a villain could have been. That is a kindness that she is doing to those people. And I know no one sees it like that when she's yeah. being awful to them, but she is helping them not be conflicted. And when she kind of talks about doing things for Burnham and like setting things right in the world for Burnham, 
I kind of read a little bit more into that than the show. The show kind of glosses over that, and Burnham doesn't believe that because Burnham shouldn't believe that. She should be very guarded and not really believe anything that this person's saying. This is a this is a very tense situation. But I kind of see that as a bit of her motivation for some of her actions. Mm. Of course, everything is very self-serving, but one of the self-serving things about her is that she chose to have a daughter at one point. That was a very important thing to her in the past. And that it tends to please her to have things go a, a, a certain way for that person or for her to watch that person live a certain sort of life. Mm-hmm. And so I do see that as a bit of a character motivation to her. And I thought that was so interesting how, yeah, she's going to continue to be the rogue, but she was doing everyone the courtesy of giving them a bad breakup so they can get over the over the relationship faster. Oh, yeah, for sure. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I... I had struggled with the concept of the mirror universe and having feelings for that mirror person for most of the season, right? Mm -hmm. Or I guess most of the season where we knew it was actually happening. Um, But one of the things that was really like, ugh, you know, for me was to put yourself in the shoes of the Emperor as Burnham has the uh, the weapon to her chest. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh yeah, if that were one of my children or even someone that looked exactly like one of my children but was awful, I wouldn't be able to, to kill them. Yeah. No way, no how. Uh-huh. You know, that's just a, a horrible thought to have. But that was the first time that I had really kind of like allowed myself to... Feel, guess, feel like and, a yeah. mirror person. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I love the coming full circle on some like season-long arcs that are like really looking into who you are and who we are as, as Starfleet, as Federation, as mm-hmm. people with those ideals. So she talks about her first mutiny as being because she believes that principles are disposable in a time of war. Yeah. And her second mutiny because she realizes that that you know that that's not the case it's a mutiny is for the principle and everything that's like a time around yeah which is which is such a gorgeous conclusion i love the the woman power of the season and as it comes to the end so we see a lot of powerful female characters kind of have everything ripped away from them and mm-hmm. be put into less powerful roles than we first knew them to be capable of and that's such a hurtful thing that television especially old television uh, can do and they'll, they'll just leave them in those roles and we'll know their potential but they'll be very squandered for the sake of other male characters in the show mm-hmm. but this is a show that does not do that it goes through the motions of that in a very painful way but in the end the the people are who we know them to be and what they know to be careful of and the world responds to them as such and so the ascension of like laurel for example to power as the most capable person with a vision of of what what it means to be Klingon Mm -hmm. was was a great end to that even though we do not shy away from the fact that she's a murdering uh, intense person like so many of the Klingons are she's a a religious zealot she's a religious zealot but like even dark characters get the dignity of sort of personhood Mm -hmm. in this show that a lesser show would not be able to grapple with as complexly as Mm -hmm. we do with Laurel so, okay, so those are two of the things that you liked. What was one thing you disliked about well, this episode? Well, the next thing that I liked, because I can't pick. <laughs> no, the no, no, no. canon choices, like, on Kronos and everything. So we've never explicitly seen a whole bunch of Trill and a whole bunch of Orions on Kronos. But we've known from extended canon that that's probably the case. And the Trill are all throughout the galaxy. And the Trill have a close relationship with the Klingons in kind of a weird way. Uh, although the, the Trill are a Federation uh, uh, species. But, like... The trill are everywhere on the over the galaxy, and they're they have 
the most diverse points of view. We tend to think of humans as having diverse points of view. No, 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 no. <laughs> trill are the people who could be anyone, be a part of any society. So seeing a whole bunch of Trill in kind of the vagrant city of Kronos and uh, the Orions there and the way they ran the city and everything like that was such a perfect canon choice. And it's how I've always imagined some of the small Australian towns on Kronos. Like, I've seen that city before from my understanding of, of things. And to see that coming to, to life in the screen with that was really cool. I like how the Enterprise, I like how they have variants of the Constitution class, which makes a lot of sense because it's kind of a world where we're seeing a lot of variants of ships. And if you look at some original series canon where some things are to be differently, a way to interpret that is there's variants of ships. So we see the Defiant, and it's like a very particular way. We see the Enterprise, and it looks different. And I like how there's variants of those Constitution classes. I think it's a cool choice. Some people are going to be weird about the Enterprise not looking like the Enterprise, but I like it. There's actually a model of ship that they're going with. It's called the Excalibur um, kind of class of ship. It's a it's a ship that's in some extended canon. It's it's in um it's very famous in Star Trek Online, so you might have seen it there. And it's not exactly the Excalibur um, that they have, but they, they they that's definitely the artistic direction that they're going. And the Excalibur reconciles like next gen era blue nacelles of the red tips and everything like that with the original series and like if you were to see something in the next gen era like i see original ship with like next gen um sort of vision of federation how would it look and they do that with with that which i think is is great everything i have is a is a reference to something that's been in the extended universe of it but like isn't necessary to watch and enjoy it because it's about the principles but it was just so reverential of of canon in a way that was really fun and finally, uh-huh. what was one thing you disliked? Now that you've taken all of our time talking about four things that you liked when I had asked you for two. It's this I am the Klingon in this relationship, I've just realized. <laughs> like, listen. I dislike. Um, so, having Orions is fun. I'd like to see them... I like how we saw a diverse group of Orions compared to what we utilized. They still weren't diverse, but like I, I do think that we do need to see more diverse Orions because they're always so two dimensional and and kind of like sexploitative as now and now we see them. And I, yeah. I would not like that to be the face of an entire culture for forever. We are slaves or slavers or arms dealers or interested in sex all the time yeah. or like super into drugs. Yeah. Um, but like. What was that actor's name who was super into drugs? You know, he's in, like, so many things. I don't remember. I did like him, though. Yeah. Oh, he is one of the characters that really annoys me all the... Or, I guess, an actor whose face is so annoying to me. Mm. Or not annoying. It's so recognizable to me, but I can never remember his fucking name. And it's so annoying to I me. I like the idea of a middle-aged, not totally at the top of his game, not totally suave or strong or, mm-hmm. or sexy or something, or Ryan, who's just kind of getting by. <laughs> like, we, yeah. never, we never see that. So that's kind of a really fun face to see the culture through. Because like, it's never been seen before, and that's really interesting. One of the things that I thought was so funny was when he was uh, cutting off the, uh, well, what we found out was not the drone, um, from Tilly. And he was just like, what? I'm Orion. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, I thought, like, what if you woke up and someone was just snacking on your sandwich and they're like, what? I'm Orion. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very funny mental image. I just think, like, from now on, anytime you snitch something off of my plate, you need to be like, what? I'm Orion. I wrote, I wrote a long Orion arc that I just started in Hadiological. Uh-huh. When I, when I kind of 
stepped away because there was a bunch of life uh, circumstances they wanted to deal with before coming back to ideological. But like it was supposed to be a pontification of poverty like, mm. in this world, which I think is because so much of, of what it is to choose your own destiny has been stripped from these people in yeah. kind of a, a cruel and dehumanizing way. Um, but I really want to see that. And I think that I think that Discovery could do that. I, I just don't think we got the face time to like to, to see a character like that. But I'd be I'd be interested to kind of see some more humanity. That I don't blame them for just being on the rogue planet for a second in a very seedy part of the planet and happen to see a lot of very seedy looking Orions. I know it's always the set dressing, but I, I'd love to see them dealt with a little bit more humanity or see a character that's actually like a character with believable innovation and everything too. Yeah, with that too. But I did like that they were there on this the world of Kronos because that makes so much sense to like mm-hmm. just have Klingon Klingon canon when i played star trek online uh and i really loved it i made a Klingon character i made an orion who started on chronos and that's a tough thing to do right yeah and he's like brutally really into dark souls so i can just imagine that you're like i'd like to play this game in the hardest way but i brutally fought my way to captain of like my ship and uh and i got a crew very loyal i was sort of like explain to me um star trek online i don't know what you're talking about i assume that it's an mmo yes and what year did it come out uh like 2009 okay so it's It's been running continuous mmo it's it's pretty updated they very lovingly do it they get a lot of original voice actors they do some really creative arcs and they bring on a lot of writers what did you think about cornwell in this one yeah so it was interesting to see star trek always has the admiralty losing the human touch of the federation mm-hmm. that's a constant thing if you're too too far into it too into your own career you lose what's important about the federation a little bit too and Corwell has always been a good character but she lost her way her, her and Sarek in, in the bleakness hours of this war yeah but i like that she was persuadable but yeah i agree i think that it's a very different story whenever you come up with a plan that you think is the only chance of survival uh-huh. that your uh your entire culture has right yeah um but then to be able to be moved to sidestep your own best plan it says really something to one's character yeah she brings and, a lot of yeah i really liked that a lot and i i had liked her as a character just because I thought she was a, a nice, steady beat through yes. the whole entire season. And um, I didn't think that she was particularly charismatic or anything. There was nothing else that really drew me to her other than her just being very steady. Mm-hmm. And so it was really nice that in the end when she realizes like, hey, there is at least a chance yeah. for another alternative then we must take that as an alternative. reasonably comes to the conclusion that her job is to make tough decisions mm-hmm. and to shield other people from those shitty decisions that she just has to make so other people get the luxury of the Federation. That's yeah. how she comes to understand her job for a second, but I, I do love um, the character that she shows um, in, in being persuadable there. One of the things that I really liked about this episode and of the series is how full circle Burnham came. Yes. In, you know, she's faced with mutiny uh, kind of at the opening and at the end of the series. And I like that she chose mutiny in the beginning and she would not be followed. She could not, in you know, coerce people to follow her leadership. Yes. And then I really love that at the very end, she was able to suggest mutiny. And not only at her suggestion did everyone fall in line and believe in her as a leader, they stood up and they were mutineers with her. Yeah. Uh, and I really like that. I like that it showed that she had grown substantially 
as a leader, Absolutely. which is what I think you really want to see in um, in Star Trek. I think that it's why I enjoy Picard so much more than, um, oh my gosh. Kirk? Kirk, yeah. So, because I think that Kirk is just so hot-headed and yeah. he doesn't lead. And when he does, it's because of forced empathy and things like that. And uh, it, I just haven't really connected with him. But I really like Picard so much in that, you know, he'll stick to his convictions and really move people to follow him because of his uh, of his principles. Yeah, he's not the main character of, that, of Starfleet. that shows, like, a huge arc and a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. Too. I mean, when he first starts, you, you talk about people only following because they have to or not following. That's yeah. kind of Picard's experience at first, where he's just sort of shitty for no reason or or insecure. I feel like in his his role and in the people around mm-hmm. him, and 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 um, and kind of dark because of that in some ways. But then grows to be like such an empathetic person and is able to have family. Is someone who has never been able to have family mm-hmm. and is able to finally have that was such a beautiful conclusion to that and all good things. Yeah, and one of the things that I really love is that, you know, I mean, we leave him with the understanding that his relationships get better, his leadership, yes. everything continues to get better, uh-huh. right? Um, but one of the things that I really like is that we've seen him develop as far as we can as a leader on the Enterprise. Yeah. And then at the very end of the show, you see him approach his entire crew, and he's just like, oh man, I could have been here the whole time. Yeah, there's this, like so much time. There's so much time that he didn't get to spend with him. But it, and I think that that speaks to him as a leader in that it's just like, oh man, I had this opportunity to truly know these people for so much longer. Yeah. So this I, is always such a bittersweet journey. Yes. I feel like Next Gen is the track for living your best life because it's all about yeah. growing as a person. Uh, and you, that, that's the central thing that it's oh, about. For sure. And it, it's about that in a very pretty way. Well, this is, it's so discouraging that it's only 15 episodes in Star Trek Discovery. I cannot wait I know. for the next season. Do you know when it's supposed to come out? It's going to be a little while. What does that mean? What is this, some Game More of Thrones shit? Oh, my God. Yeah. This is unbelievable. It is insane. It's not good. Unacceptable, some uh, would say. I want them to. I want them to believe in the show full board and start yeah. filming things simultaneously and like believe yes. that it's just going to be multi multi seasons and just go 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 go. Yeah, that's what I really want. Oh, uh, every like character who was ever related to the show is like having a giant viewing party tonight. I saw some things about that. Um, Anthony Anthony Rapp is that his name the guy who's standards. Mm-hmm. Anthony Rapp was showing his uh, Medal of Freedom that he has or Medal of Honor I guess, and uh, he's he's like so happy and proud to like have that as as a character. So he's showing, nice. he's got that physical prop with him. Some of the other characters like Landry who weren't on the whole whole time are still like there and very big part of it. Oh, and the I never wanted to tell you this because I know you want spoilers, but now the season's over, I'm gonna tell you a little bit meta information from okay. the scenes because it doesn't no one knows anything sure, sure. about season two it hasn't even been written yet all the way so who knows but the actress who played cornwell and the actress that play laurel are like crazy great friends in real life oh, and they have fun. tons and tons and tons of pictures of them behind the scenes they always show up to each other's scenes to like support each other but they're just they're just super close friends that's really great. Laurel, her name is Mary something. I can't remember her last name. I wonder who is dating whom behind the scenes. Oh, I yeah. I would love I don't know. to know that. I don't know. Uh, in my mind, it is Ray Romano's son and Michael Burnham. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Ash? Yeah. 
I like Ash. I like Ash. I like too. Ash. It took me. It took me a while to get to. I like I, I like him. I uh I do like something I like about this choice is that we we don't have the television think of destined romance mm-hmm. where you know they could have yeah. she could have asked them to stay and they would have been fine. That would have felt more television, mm-hmm. but she didn't. And yeah. and and they go their separate ways, and that just that just helps it feel a lot more real. I think that you know it was the perfect way for them to to part ways too, because when she leaves, or when she leaves, or when they leave each other, um, she talks about how when she looks in his eyes, she sees Ash and only Ash. Yes, now. yeah. And I really love that because there would have been if they decided to carry on a relationship, there would have been moments of anger and heated discussion. Wherein it's very easy to fall into, I'm only seeing the worst version of you I've ever seen, yeah. you know? And so it would be so easy to fall back into, right now I'm seeing Vogue in you. And I think that it was the right choice to be able to leave and see Ash, and that's the last, you know? Yeah, totally. You know, he, he's someone who could see the humanity in these sort of mm-hmm. impoverished people in the Rogue City. And really enjoyed engaging with, like, really enjoyed it. Yeah. As, as people. And he can separate that from, they happen to be a part of a government that's committing genocide out there in, in, this, in this space. But these individuals aren't choosing that right now. They're they're people and they, they have humanity. You can see them as, as people of full personhood. But he can still see that and have empathy of these people and like them. Mm-hmm. And then also choose the Federation in, in that. He, he comes to a yeah. very, very thought through, a very interesting place I also like the very personal thing I think that that had to be his decision and not Ash of Old's decision or Volk's decision but new Ash you know how did he feel about this situation yeah and to be able to weigh both of the alternatives and to come out with his own conclusion and how he felt about that so I think that um, different people speaking Klingon sounds different but I think Ash speaking Klingon sounds really pretty I think like you've got such a beautiful thing of that language was very good. Uh, I wonder if <coughs> the actor who played Ash learned how to speak all the Klingon or just his lines. Yeah, they've got um, a language coach, mm-hmm. and she, uh, she, I think she's very involved with the Klingon Language Institute because Klingon is one of those fictional languages that like is really mature language. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's been spoken for fifty years now, yeah. and it's 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 very well developed. It's it's. Uh, but so that but that person who is doing it, she spent a tremendous amount of time with Laurel and with Ash and with other people, um, pioneering this 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 incarnation of the language. That's really great. It does sound a little bit different than other eras. Klingon. Yeah. I, I know there's a lot of little quirks about it that, that are really deep and interesting because there's people who put a lot of thought into that sort of a detail. But. So what do you think Ash is going to do now that he is with Laurel? Yeah, I don't know. So, um. In original series, mm-hmm. there are very human-looking Klingons. Um, okay. And we kind of know that they don't look like Klingon-looking Klingons. Because Worf comes to the original series timeline, and he sees very human-looking Klingons. And people want to talk to him about that. He's like, I don't fucking talk about this about Cyrus. He's, like, really uncomfortable with it and just oh, really wow. weird about it. So there's kind of a weird thing where very human-looking Klingons coexist with very Klingon-looking Klingons. And by the time we get to Kirk's era, that's all weird. Um... So, also, there are spies that are totally capable of looking human, appearing human, scanning as human, that infiltrate the Federation, that do nefarious things. That's another reality of the world by, by his, his thing. So I do think that Ash and his prototype of that technology continues to exist and continues to propagate. Mm-hmm. And I think that it becomes 
very widespreadly used. Well, but what about Ash? I don't mean what about what happens he, to his type. But yeah, I think that he's, he's captured for his technology at some point and, and used either with or without his permission in, in some point for that because they need him physically in order to replicate mm. that. So I think that's a dark thing. I think that he continues to have a relationship with Florel where he sees the best in her. I don't know that her reign will be forever lived, but I, we do know that she's successful in unifying the Klingon Empire that we mm-hmm. understand today, and that her vision of a one one Klingon kind of comes to being. She sort of mirrors another chancellor. I, I bet she's going to be chancellor, by the way. I bet she's going to be the first chancellor of the modern chancellors. But there's a chancellor, Azabeth, Azabeth, uh, I always say her name, Azabeth, who's the chancellor in Star Trek VI, which is my favorite Star Trek movie, and it's really gorgeous, who sort of similarly has like a view beyond the Klingon Empire of that time. Mm-hmm. And she has to talk them out of a lot of war and conflict in order to get to that time. But she, again, moves them forward kind of um, through that vision. And I know that Star Trek VI was one of the big inspirations for writing Discovery, sort of the ideas that it had of Klingons and of humanity and of a, a Klingon striving to push their people forward in a, in, a, in a very difficult circumstance. And kind of a woman being in that person that, that, that's trying to push that forward. So I know there's a big influence. So I bet you she's got a similar arc to Asbeth where she kind of works to push push what she a, a vision that she sees where other people aren't looking at that, that grand vision. Okay. And I, I bet you he's a part of that. Well, it has been uh, an excellent season of Star Trek Discovery with you. The only, I guess, thing that I would hope that we get to do is next season, I hope that we're in a, in a different house, kind of closer to friends, and we can do viewing parties. That oh, totally. That would be so fun. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. But, yeah. So, thanks for uh, exposing me to Star Trek, Sam. What's well, your favorite part really of the season? Fun. My favorite part of the season? Yeah. Oh, shit. My favorite part of the season is Saru's speech. Yeah. Um you know when all hope seems lost um and and he kind of really comes into his own as captain inspires his crew and uh you know he thinks leads them to death you know but yeah so we'll see or maybe he doesn't think well i think that when he has that conversation with tilly Mm -hmm. he sees he sees hope and he lets everyone see that hope that he sees but he doesn't know that until after his speech right yeah 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 but that's my favorite part of the entire season. That's really good. Is uh, oh, so sorry. Is Saru's uh, speech? What was your favorite part of the season? Of the whole season, huh? Yes, I like how you asked me that question, and now you're shocked that I'm asking oh, it back to you. So shocked. Have you ever played volleyball <laughs> or tennis or any game of catch? <laughs> uh, I've caught the ball. I'm going to throw the same ball to you. I think growth. Through the eyes of like Burnham, yeah, and through all the characters, Ash, Laurel, Saru, Cornwell, Cornwell. Look at all these characters. Sarek, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Look at where they were, where they are, and and this this the show, kind of like TNG before it is really championing growth, but unlike TNG, which had to be so episodic because of the medium in which it was yeah. made and re- released, this one can be a whole album statement, and I think they're really drilling down into what's inspirational about the series about that yeah it was very good I really enjoyed it and I can't wait for the next season yeah so probably not gonna podcast again until next season of Star Trek probably not yeah gosh yeah JK guys we'll be back to talk about some obnoxious things I'm sure so anything else you wanna talk about no my neck hurts oh, I have I have this injury um, that I've had for a couple years and I, I had to have a uh, 
a surgery to correct. It was a labral tear, and there was some other correction they did on there. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of it. But, like, it swells up real bad. And when it does, I get, like, these crazy headaches, and then it just really hurts, and I can't sleep because it wakes me up all the time. So I'm, I'm in the middle of a really bad spell of that. It's been bad, so I'm having trouble. Please send your good thoughts, good vibes, and if you're a praying person, please pray for Sam. <laughs> so, uh, with that, live long and prosper, everyone. Live long and prosper. Oh, we saw Alien last night. Oh my gosh. We saw Alien last night. I- I'm so sorry. I forgot all about that. Oh my God. It's such chat. a wonderful movie. It's very it's good. It's so masterful. Yeah. I'm so glad that you watched Storytelling it. through set design. Storytelling mm-hmm. through character design. Yes. Gorgeous, gorgeous sets. Mm-hmm. Love H.R. Giger. Yeah. H.R. Giger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. I really loved it a lot. Sigourney Weaver? Yeah. Oh my God. She's great. I had not seen that movie in probably three or four years. I I think I've seen it since we've been together. I have actually, okay, I didn't tell you this at the time. I had seen clips of it. Oh, sure. And I had read a couple of things about the production of it in the past, which I thought was really interesting. So one of the things about writing it is they really didn't want, they really wanted to write a female action hero, but they did not want her to be branded as being like a... they wanted a female action hero that could be written as if it was a male or female action hero. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that doesn't... Defining thing of the, the, the character, the defining thing of the character are the choices, the very human choices that that person makes. Mm-hmm. So they very deliberately wrote that script for that character to be either which gender. And yes. for it not to have any impact on the story, the way the world reacts to her, the way that the choices that she makes, anything like that. Yeah. And so they, they very consciously wrote that in mind. I had read about that, and I thought it was really interesting to see that come to life. And I think she really lives up to that promise so well. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, what was your, what do you think was the most like, oh, they got me in that one? So the face hugger, I love it's like penetrating the dude's throat. It's so gross. <laughs> oh, and also the, the one moment where I was like the most uneasy is when they walk into the sick bay, and they're not expecting this. They walk in this pay and this face hugger is not on the face anymore. <laughs> they don't know where it is. I was like, fuck this. Fuck everything. Fuck that. <laughs> the thing is somewhere. You don't know where it is. He's lying on the bed. You don't know what's up with him. <laughs> it's just like, I don't, I'm just, I'm going back into the, the stasis pod and I'm getting the cat and I'm cuddling the cat and I'm turning the stasis pod on. Uh, Good can't night. can't trust that cat. One of the things that I think is really scary about this is that like, okay, so the face hooker is gone, right? It's yeah. up on the ceiling or whatever, and it falls down on Sigourney Weaver. But, like, the living thing is inside of dude, oh, yeah. right? So how did the exoskeleton of the other thing get up there? So, like, to, to my mind, the tentacles, like, really deep inside of him. Uh-huh. Right? And the face hooker is there. This is just an egg. Like, it's an eggshell. Yeah, I and get the, it. the chick's inside growing to another human. A hundred percent, Yeah. Oh, so yeah. the chick is inside. Uh-huh. How does the egg go from on dude's face to on ceiling? Well, the the egg shell is here. The egg yolk is inside him growing. I understand. Because the shell is discarded once it's ready to live on its I own. I understand. How did the egg shell get oh, to the ceiling? I think it still crawls around a little. It's like an octopus tentacle when they like lose them during reproduction sometimes. Are we sure about this? Yeah, they'll okay. still slither around a little bit. Like they're so octopusy. So to me, it's like an octopus tentacle can live outside the octopus for a little while and will do slithery tentacle things. 
I think it's it's an octopus tentacle. So it's but gone. But then I don't think that that holds around. true for the rest of this the the movie because you pick up the skin and it's like fucking snake skin. Well, we, no, no. Every time it grows, it grow it leaves its dead yeah, shell. Yeah, but okay. The the egg is shell is is more than the skin that it's shedding. Are you sure? Yes. How because do you know? it's the fucking egg that like grows it. It's it, you know it's a much more mature thing than just discarding a layer of skin. Uh, I think I I disagree with you there. Do you? And I think that it was a it was a poor choice to like get that gotcha moment of it. You know, oh, okay. Of falling down. I'm on into her it. That's my scariest moment. In well, the, in I'm the happy for you to have that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not upset for you. Uh-huh. I just think. Oh, I'm a lifelong Starcraft fan, by the way. Like huge. Like oh my god, okay. love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah. So and this movie literally could not have done any wrong for you. Well, because I've been <laughs> in this mil- milieu and aesthetic my whole yeah. like childhood, right? And the Zerg are alien from alien. That's what and who they are for sure <laughs> to like sneakily acquiring biomass to grow everything every bit of it and the protoss are the dead race at the beginning and then the terrans are the, the humans all right well uh thanks so much for listening to the ramblings of the two cats from podcast okay bye shoulders bye yeah bye